Greetings to all of God's people. This is Mordecai Joseph. We are now at uh, chapter 12 in the book of Daniel. And we read here, uh, earlier in the last uh, lesson, we ended up by uh, reading about uh, the Michael, uh, that is uh, the angel Gabriel, the archangel Gabriel, that came to uh, Daniel after he was fasting for three weeks, wanted to know the future of his people. And prophet of God, Daniel, knew very well that God never forsook his people, but he wanted to know what's the end of the story, because he knew what Daniel said, what Jeremiah said, he knew what Moses said, he knew what all the prophets said until his day, and he was not in ignorance like all those who came later on. And then he wanted to know when is the Messiah coming, when he's going to atone for the sins of Israel. In other words, like when God told Isaiah in chapter 6, that he's going to conclude his people in, uh, in blindness, which uh, finally led them into captivity. And he wanted to know Isaiah, how long? Well, some people are saying today, well, the children of Israel, well, were, you know, scattered all among the nations, and they intermarried, and this and that, and who knows who they are, and how can there be tribes and all that? And even some in our midst are so confused that they believe it. God says, no, I know who they are, where they are, and I'm going to bring them back, and each one is going to be in their own tribe, their own people. And so there isn't such a thing. But beyond the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, when the real end time is coming, when the Messiah who gave his life for his wife is going to come back and take his wife to him, both the spiritual and the physical. In chapter 12, we read this, and at that time, Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. So Michael has been appointed by God to be the prince of Israel, and he has been from the beginning of time. And when God told Moses, uh, because of your rebellion, I'm going to send my angel uh, he's going to lead the way before you and you better behave yourself because he's not going to forgive your iniquities if you don't behave yourself. And, in other words, don't make him angry like you make me angry. And he said, because my name is in him. Well, this is the prince of Israel that has been from the beginning of time. And there are people out there, even to this very day, who are worshipping that archangel Gabriel and Michael and others, as if they're on pers- they, you know, their own personal angels, and pray to them, and you know, people are not to be praying and worshipping angels. But God, and to begin with, Michael is only over Israel. So any other nation that speaks to Michael, he's not listening to them. You know, he's listening only to the people of God, the people of Israel, the wife of God. And at that time, Michael shall stand up, the great prince, who stands watch over the sons of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation. So he's going to talk about the greatest calamity ever to come upon the people of Israel. In Jeremiah, in chapter 13, verse 7, he spoke about that one. And Moses spoke about that one. When you are in tribulation, he said, among all the nations of the earth, where God scattered you in all directions because of your wickedness and abominations, and your religions, not God's religion, and your iniquities, when you finally open your eyes and begin to, in your heart, come out of Babylon, and go back to your God, well, God, then God is going to deliver you. And so this is what he's talking about here. And, and later on, when God came in person in the flesh, uh, is Jesus Christ, you know, the Messiah, the anointed Savior, he told them that the same thing, Matthew 24 and some other places, at the same time. And so he said, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never once since there was a nation, even to that time. And at that time, your people shall be delivered. So as bad as things are going to be, even then, God is never going to forsake his people. It doesn't mean he's going to deliver all of them who are alive. All it means is that he's not going to deliver his people. 
And they're going to be a minority of them. The rest are going to be dead because of their iniquity. And God allowed many to die. And only few is going to bring them back. And as for the rest, he's going to keep them, you know, in the grave for a thousand years until the second resurrection. And that the Jewish community never understands because they rejected the writings of the disciples of their God, of their maker, of the ruler, of the God of Israel, of the rock of Israel, who came in person as Jesus Christ because they too believe the lies of the, of the you know, the four churches. There are New Testament, Old Testament, New Church, two churches, you know, two churches, Old Church, New Church, two gods, you know, the God of Israel, the God of the Old Testament, the God of the New Testament. You know, you know they're all in Babylon, both houses of Israel. And so therefore, they, they would never read the New Testament, the writings of God, the oracles of God, and so they're, they're blinded in all those areas. Yet some of them are reading it, and some of them are coming back to their God and maker and ruler and deliverer. And like many of the people of God, they too have their portion of deception. They too brought with them, at least... They didn't bring it with them because, you know, they were Jews to begin with. They didn't come out of Protestantism and Catholicism. Since the preachers came from those molds, they, you know, they told them lies along with truth. And so they too, they call themselves the Messianic movement today, you know, the Jews for Jesus, or the Messianic movement, you know, the followers of Christ, of Yeshua, and all that. There's a mixture of truth and error, and to them too, God says, come out of Babylon, you're all mixed up. And verse 2. And many of those, and by the way, most of them, uh, as a matter of fact, the majority of them don't even know about the identity of Israel. Extremely very few of them are coming to that knowledge and understanding. And so they too, they believe the lies that God put down, you know, Israel and picked up the church. And they think, well, now we are members of that church. And so we are all brethren, we are all Christians, Catholics, Protestants, this and that, and the other thing, Messianic Jews. Because they're all in bed with a great hole in the harlots and they don't know it. Verse 2, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Now, if they're all in heaven or in hell, what do they need to awake? And if they already had life since they're alive forever, you know, in hell or in heaven, why do they need to receive an eternal life? Well, obviously, it shows you how deceitful, how ignorant, how blind this doctrine is, that when you die, you go to heaven or you go to hell. Now God says, you know, you're in the grave, you're awaiting the resurrection. And so, when God comes down and delivers his people, and many of those who sleep in the dust, that's what they are, people don't believe him. Neither the house of Israel nor the house of Judah believe God. That's why God says, when I come and do all those things and resurrect you from the grave, and you knew, we, you knew that you came from the grave and not from heaven or hell, then you will know that I'm the eternal. Now you don't. You're blind and ignorant. You think you do. And you're praying to people that don't even exist. And people go to the graves of people and pray to them and speak to them and talk to them. And they think they can pray for them. They don't even exist. Because they're in the dust, in the grave. They're waiting every, you know, life. They're dead. So many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. Some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting content. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament. And those who turn many to righteousness, and this is what we want to be busy about, and that's what the work of God is all about. Bring God, bring people, the people of God, back to righteousness, not to deceptions or mixture of truth and error. And so those who turn many to righteousness, and every one of us want to be busy doing that, 
whatever category we can, you know, with our own family, neighbors, workers, co-workers, relatives, people in the street, you know, supermarket, everywhere. Our whole body of witnesses. And this is what we witness to. And so those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever are going to be brilliant as the stars, as the suns. And so when God, when God says, you know, no man can look on my face and leave, I'm going to be incinerated if you do. And so he told Moses, well, if you want to sue me, I'm going to have to, you know, cover my face. Because that's where the brilliance comes, you know, like the sun. I'm going to be able to see only when I, when I walk back, you know, just to see my body from, uh, from behind, you know. And uh, now you're not going to be able to see my face or else you'll be dead. Because he wanted to see his glory. He wanted to see him in his full glory. I mean, all this time he saw him face to face because God, you know, divested himself of his glory. And so when he came, uh, uh, he just, you know, uh, came without looking like a brilliant sunshine. And so we are going to look exactly like our Father, like our God, like our Maker, like our, our Rock. As he is, so are we going to be. And that's why God says, be you holy as I am holy. So you can be my sons, literally like a father has sons and daughters, so you can be my sons and daughters. And that's what Genesis 1 26 means, and Jews never understood it. But God was making us in his own image and in his own likeness. Just like a father has children who look exactly like him. And they're going to be puppies, and we're not going to be angels. We're going to be just like God is God, because we're going to be members of his family, his sons. Your son is not a dog or a monkey. People don't believe it. Verse 4, But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Then it shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. And man, do we see an awful lot of that, especially now with the internet. Then I, Daniel, looked, and there stood two others on this side of the river bank. Or well, anyway, he saw those two angels, and he's wondering, well, how long? Verse 6, How long shall the fulfillment of this wondrous be? Verse 7, Then I heard the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand and his left hand to heaven, and swore by him who is forever, nothing wrong about swearing, by the name of Jehovah, by the name of God, as long as you don't do it in vain. That was the commandment. And Christ told him, don't even swear, it's because all of you are not really keeping your word. That's what he meant by that. But if you do swear, do it in righteousness. And so he says, he says, swore by him who lives forever that it shall be for a time, times, and a half a time. Those who understand prophecy and the word of God, they know what it means. And, uh, and when the power of the holy people has been completely shattered, and who are the holy people? People of Israel, the children of Israel, that's where the church, the whole church of Israel, some of them are spiritual, the majority are not, but they're all holy people. And when their power has been completely shattered because of their iniquities and abominations and their false religions, then the time comes to an end. And although I heard that he did not understand, Daniel is saying, then I said, my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? I really don't get it. Well, the answer is, and he said, verse 9, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end, until Christ comes, until the Messiah, the deliverer of Israel. Because God has a plan of salvation from beginning until the end, and he hasn't rejected them 2,000 years ago. Otherwise, he would have been a failure. And he's not a failure. Man is, 
Satan is not God. And so people believe lies. And many shall be purified, made white, and refined. And that's a process. That's a reason why it goes on and on and on. But they're still holy people, and God never gave up on them. He's working with them every generation. But the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand. So if we do not understand the word of God as we should, what does God call us? But the wise shall understand. And from the time that the daily sacrifice is taken away, are the sacrifices done away with? Of course not. And the abomination of desolation is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. So speaking that specific time of about three and a half years, that is before the coming of Christ, at a certain point the sacrifices will begin, three and a half years later, and uh, something else is going to happen. And blessed is he who waits and comes to the end, to the 1,335 days. In other words, another period of time. But you go your way to the end, for you shall rest. That means you're going to go in the grave. This is where you are. You're not in heaven. You're dead. You're going to be in the grave awaiting the resurrection. You're in the dust of the earth. This is where you sleep. And you will arise. That means you'll come back to life. To your inheritance. You know? Your future, your glory, your people Israel at the end of time, at the end of days, and we haven't got to that point yet. And so the scriptures are very plain. Now we're going to continue in uh, the book of uh, Nehemiah. Now when you read uh, Nehemiah in the King James, it is in a different place, and when you read it in Hebrew, it's in a different place, because uh, for whatever reason, the King James uh, translators decided to, to change the order of the books. Uh, from uh, what it used to be in the Hebrew Scriptures, which still is to this very day when you read the Hebrew Bible. And so Nehemiah is also wanting to know about his people and specific about his age, since he knew what Jeremiah said, what Daniel said, and he wanted to know. And uh, when he saw the destruction of his people, of his city, he really wept over it, and he pleaded with God to bring deliverance. And so when somebody came to him and told him about all the problems of Jerusalem, which was not being established because of all the enemies all around, just like today, they've got all those enemies all around, you know, like today, the Jews want to build their temple, and they can because of all the Arab nations around, well, that was the same story in the days of Nehemiah and Ezra, and again, because of the disobedience of the people as a whole, they were not obedient to God, that's the reason why things were not going well for them, and so, uh, Nehemiah, when he heard that story, uh, but the problems of his nation, we read in verse 5, And I said, I pray, O eternal God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant. He didn't say you do away with your covenant, or you, you, you renege on your covenant, or you reject your covenant. He said you keep it. You keep your covenant because he's God of truth. And mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments. You see? And he commanded a law for Israel. And he commanded that the land should be theirs. And he commanded them salvation and so forth. You know, you don't depart from your commandments, your, your own words. Verse 6, please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you day and night for the children of Israel, your servants. In spite of all their problems, your people, your servants, your wife. And confess the sins of the children of Israel which we have sinned against you. 
And when the house of Israel and the house of Judah come to this state of mind, then God would listen and deliver. And until then, they're not even willing to acknowledge their sins. They're always blaming the enemy. They're blaming this and they're blaming that. You know, they're the ones that kill us and, and uh, persecute us and all that. They blame anybody but themselves. Their own sins and iniquities. That's why God hides hide his face from them. But Nehemiah is the servant of God. He's honest. He knows what the problem is. And so he says, and I confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we, not they, we, all of us, because all of us are guilty. We have sinned against you, both my father's house, he begins with himself and his father's house, and I have sinned. All of us have sinned. And we have acted very corruptly against you, and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, nor the ordinances which you commanded your servant Moses. And that's what Moses told the children of Israel, that when you are in tribulation, you are going to come back to the law that I gave you now today, the statutes and judgments and precepts and ordinances and testimonies, and you're going to forsake your religions, your Judaism and your Christianity, which is vomit and an abomination to God. Because it's full of vomit, mixture of truth and error, and you're going to come back to this very law which I gave you. That's why God said at the end of the book of Malachi, you remember the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded unto him for all of Israel. Not for the Jews, for all of Israel. And the statutes. And if you don't do it, it says I'm going to bring you total destruction on the whole earth. That's a warning to his wife. If you're not going to come back to me and repent, you'll be dead. And so would all humanity. Because they depend on you. Because my salvation is through you also. Salvation is of the Jews. Salvation is of Israel. Another of all the nations of the earth. And so he said, we've acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, nor the ordinances which you commanded your servant Moses. People say, well, that's done away with. Verse 8, remember, I pray, the word that, your com- that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. And he's speaking to all generations of Israel. 3,500 years of them. But if you return to me and keep my commandments, not your values and your ethics and your principles and your doctrines, mixture of truth and error, some of it you pick up from the Bible, the Word of God, some from the Hebrew Scriptures, some from the words of Jesus Christ and His disciples, and then your own. I said, you could keep my commandments, not yours. As Christ told the, uh, the Jew that came to Him, He said, Master, what must I do to enter into life? He didn't say, well, you go sit on a rocking chair and just believe in me and I'll give you grace and that's it. No, he said, you, you want to enter into your life? Keep the commandments, every single one of them that is applicable to you. You know, my statutes you keep, my judgments, my, re- my testimonies, my ordinances, not your halakha, and not your ethics and principles and all that which you call Christian. So I keep my commandments and do them, though some of you were cast out to the farthest part of the heavens, yet I will gather them from there and bring them to the place 
which I had chosen as a dwelling for my name. This is what God told Moses to tell Israel, and people call him a liar. That he rejected his people, got sick and tired of them, and I, he put down Israel and picked up the church. Are you thinking you're listening to true prophets of God when you hear this kind of lies? You read the word of God. God never lies. Not the words of man. I don't care who that man is, either me or anybody else. Listen to the words of God from the beginning until the end. We're all subject to error. Verse 10, Now these are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O Eternal, I pray, please, you know, Nehemiah, the days of Ezra, Nehemiah said, they still called him by the name Yehovah. Lord, Yehovah, it's not Lord, it's Yehovah. The Jews say Adonai because you know, I do not want to use his name, which is foolishness. Adonai is in the plural, my masters. You know, they don't even say Adoni, which is my Lord. And then in English they translate it to Lord. And yet it says Yehovah, eternal, was, is, and will be. That's his name. And Ezra and Nehemiah called him by his name. And the Jews called him by his name until the rabbis came and said, Don't ever you mention that name anymore. Only the high priest once a year. That's not of God. That's of men. And so he says, O Yehovah, I pray, please, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servants and to the prayer of your servants, all of Israel, who desire to fear your name, thus still those, and let your servants prosper this day, and I pray and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, speaking by the king, for I was the king's cupbearer. So he wanted to bring deliverance to his own people, and God heard him. And God brought him deliverance, and brought the people of the, he, you know, Judah at the time deliverance. And so he went back to the land, began building the city, and the temple began to be built gradually. But even then, those people departed from him and down the road. You know, they went their own way. Yet nevertheless, he came to his own, he loved his own, he prayed for his own, he wept for his own, he ate with his own, wrestled with them, danced with them, sang with them, died for them, resurrected for them. Atone for them as he was on the cross, said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know this is my wife. She needs help. She's sick. So I'm going to heal her. And then he's coming back to his own. And he's going to bring them back. And that's a story from the days of Moses. And people do not believe Moses and don't believe the prophets. They jump into the New Testament and get it all mixed up. And believe lies and preach lies. And they may be sincere people. But what does it mean sincere when somebody leads you into a minefield? And you get exploded to pieces. This sincerity didn't do you any good, did it? And so let's go now to the book of Hosea, in chapter 1, where we read, The word of the, of the Lord, the Eternal, that is Jehovah, that came to Hosea, the son of Beiri, in the days of Uzziah, Yotam, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. So he's a contemporary of Isaiah. The kings of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. That's the second Jeroboam, or Yeroboam. Jeroboam, when you said Jeroboam, you missed the meaning of it, Yerav. That means here that's, that uh, there is a conflict, you know, the people read, that's conflict, conflict or strife, you know. And could be also uh, Yerav from the word uh, becomes many. So it could be two, two explanations there to his name. Anyway, Yeroboam, the son of Yoash, king of Israel, and Yoash is, is Hosea, and Hosea is Joshua, and Joshua is Joshua. It's all the same name, different variations of it. 
And when the when the Eternal began to speak by Hosea, the Eternal said to Hosea, that is Jehovah, Go take yourself a wife of harlotry, and children of harlotry, for the land has committed great harlotry, and is still there to this very day by departing from the Eternal. They've got their own religions, and they think they are devout, and, and Christians are good, devout Jews, or Orthodox, whatever. They're all in harlotry, as far as God is concerned. And so he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Giblaim, and she conceived and bore a son. The Eternal said to him, Call his name Jezreel, that is Israel. That's in Hebrew. Israel means God will seed. Uh, Israel, Jezreel, you don't know what it means. For in, the, in a little while I will avenge the blood of Jezreel on the house of Yehu. You know, it's not Jehu, it's Yehu. In Hebrew, that was his name. And and bring an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. And it shall come to pass in that day that I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel, in the valley of Israel. In other words, Israel means God, wrestling with God, and Israel means God will seed, or God will plant, you know. Zera means a seed, and uh, instead of planting them, God is going to uproot them. So all those names are, are meaningful. And she conceived again and bore it to River Six. Then God said to him, that is Elohim, call her name Loruhama, that means uh, no mercy, for I will no longer have mercy on the house of Israel. No longer. What does it mean no longer? That's it. That's the end of it. No more Israel. Gone. Dead. No. Temporarily. For 2,800 years, you know. 2.8 seconds. I'm going to be angry with them all this time. Let them go their own way. You know, they want to be idol worshippers. Let them be idol worshippers. They want to call it, you know, whatever religion they want to call it at the time. Let on Christianity. Let them do their own thing. I'm going to be walking with them, generally speaking. It's not that he totally forsook them. He still blessed them. The latter days he blessed them. And Jacob said, in the latter days, you know. And he was with them all this time, even in spite of that. But generally speaking, he's not going to deal with them as a nation. And not going to have as much mercy on them as, as he wanted to. And got to let them get into a lot of trouble. And uh, persecution and affliction. They were persecuted by Rome. They were persecuted by other nations. The Assyrians before that. You know, the Persians after that. Rome after that. You know, the barbarians, you know, the, from uh, the east after that. Until they came to Europe and then went to the, you know, part of them to the British Isles. From then to America. And to this very day, so I, you know, had problems here and there. And so even in this very day, you know, when the children of Israel are getting into trouble, God still has some mercy on them, and it doesn't mean that he's totally forsaken them. And so we have to understand it in the context, you know, read the whole story. And uh, verse 7, Yet I will have mercy on the house of Judah, and will save them by the Eternal, their God. Not destroy them, but save them. You know, all Judah is going to be saved, all Israel is going to be saved, and will not save them by ball, nor by the sword or battle, by horses or horsemen. In other words, not going to be weapons and war and mighty you know, muscles of men, as it is to this very day. They rely on their own weapons, nuclear weapons, this and that, their army, and God is going to show them. This is not what's going to deliver you, and to the house of Israel is going to be the same thing. It's not the mighty weapons and armaments and economy of the United States or Britain, or the northwestern European nations, which are all Israelites, you know, minus, as I said, Germany and Austria. No, God is going to deliver them by his own power. And now, verse 8, Now when she had winged Lord Ohama, 
she conceived and bore a son, and then God said, Call his name Lo Ami, which means not my people. Lo means not, and Ami, my people. For you are not my people, and I will not be your God, speaking about the children of Israel, the house of Israel. But that's, you know, it's a temporary thing again with them. Yet, verse 10, now he jumps forward to, you know, yet the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or, no, or numbered. So, you know, you read the whole story together, then you understand what he's talking about. On a temporary basis. You want to go your own way? Fine, go your own way. Be idol worshippers. You know, pick up your own religions. And even more later on, he sent them the disciples to bring them the true religion of, of God again, and the meaning of it, and the coming of the Messiah. And some of them replied and responded and became members of the body of Christ. As for the rest, you know, they continued to go in their own way. And they were not his people in that sense. And until the end of time, neither Judah nor Israel are his people in, in, in that sense, spiritually speaking. But physically, they are his people, they are his wives. And he's going to deliver them. So, eh, even throughout all this time, God still blessed them. God blessed Judah, God blessed Israel in spite of all the problems they got into. He delivered them many times, time and time again, of people who wanted to destroy them. And so, look at them today. They are thriving, doing well with all the problems they have in their midst. You know, they are not in the poverty-stricken nations of the world. They are the leaders of the nations of the earth, on top of the world, in spite of all their iniquities. And so God says, Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be as the land of the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered, and it shall come to pass in the place where it was said to them, You are not my people, there it shall be said to them, You are the sons of the living God. You are the wife of God, you are the people of God, you are the family of God. And the disciples, totally misunderstanding the time element, thought that Christ was coming in their day, and so when they went and delivered uh, the message of the truth, the good tidings, the coming of the Messiah, and the thought, well, here comes the redemption of Israel, and Peter, as we later on in Peter, First Peter 2.10, he went to the children of Israel, because he went to Babylon, where the Jewish community was, and obviously they were spread all around the earth too, Egypt and many other places, but there was a big center there in Babylon, and then he went over the river to speak to the children of Israel, which were, you know, a few hundred miles away from there, still nearby in that sense, and not too far away, and he told them that there is deliverance, God is coming, the Messiah was on the earth, we saw him, we walked with him, and the redemption is coming to Israel, and the old thought was coming in their day, so he told them that. He told them, hey, you are the people of God, don't forget who you are, you're a royal priesthood. And some people that read that, having no context, having no background, having no knowledge of the whole story, being unlearned, said, oh, you see, in the old days, God told his people, Israel, that you are the royal priesthood, but now he told us. And their ignorance, they don't realize to whom Peter is speaking. To the very same people, the people of Israel. And it's to them that he said, What their forefathers have heard in Sinai, that if you will obey my voice and laws and commandments, you shall be a holy nation, a royal priesthood to me. He didn't put down the, you know, Israel and picked up Israel, you know, the church. Still the same people, the same story. Read the whole book before you speak. You know, as the proverb says, who speaks up before he hears the whole matter, the wisest man who ever lived, Solomon said, he's a fool. That's why James says, don't be many masters. You know, you have a little knowledge, and little knowledge is dangerous. And immediately begin to speak. And we all make mistakes. I find myself making those mistakes when I haven't heard the whole matter. 
Sometimes I think I do know, and I make mistakes. You know, I have to keep my mouth shut and repent and change. Never be above that. All of us make mistakes, so it's understandable, but at least, you know, we should train ourselves to hear the whole matter, read the whole book, read the whole story. Know Allah before we speak. And even a fool, when he keeps his mouth shut, Solomon says, is considered to be wise. But when people speak when they know very little, well, they're obviously they're not wise. They're fools. They want to be wise. And so he says, it shall be said to them, you are my people. And there it shall be said to them, you are the sons of the living God. And what is the outcome of that? Verse 11. Then the children of Judah and the children of Israel shall be gathered together and appoint for themselves one head and they shall come up out of the land for, for great will be the day of Israel. The disciples thought, aha, this is it. And it was not. It was for 2,000 years down the road. It was not until the end of the century that they realized that they were all dying and nothing was happening. So understand it. Understand the context. Understand when you read the New Testament, so-called the New Testament, you know. The writings of the disciples who are basically explaining what the, what the prophets were saying, what Moses was saying. That's all it means. People call their, you know, their, the writings the New Testament. Well, the apostles never knew that this is supposedly the New Testament. They knew that Christ was going to make a new covenant because Jeremiah spoke about it. So what's the New Testament about it? It's been there from the beginning of time. Moses said that. He called him, you know, Moses' New Testament. It's one story, one book, one law, one God, one people, one church. I'm not two of them. The other one is a false one. And God says you come out of the false one. Because there are so many similarities there. That's the way Satan works. That you get mixed up and you don't know which is which. But if you read the whole story, like the person, you give him a $20 bill, new $20 bill, a $100 bill, he looks at every detail and he looks specifically for the ones that he knows that will determine whether it is a counterfeit bill or not. But if you're not an expert, every fool can pass, you know, $3 bill you know, before you and you fall for it. If you don't know, as you should. And so, it is important to see it from God's point of view and read the whole story. And so, in chapter 2, we read, Say to your brethren, my people, you know, now that the people of Israel are coming back because they are listening to their message, because God is going to preach to all of them. And so, he says, Say to your brethren, your people, children of Israel, you are my people, and to your sister, mercy is shown. You see? Bring charges against your mother. Bring charges, for she is not my wife, nor am I her husband. In other words, God is now showing his anger. My people, you know, my wife is departing from me. She's not acting like my wife. So, okay, you don't want to be my wife. I don't want to be your husband. But, you know, this is sort of a, uh, an outburst of anger, you know, that he's showing toward his people. Let her put away her holidays from her sight and her adulteries from between her breasts, lest I strip her naked and expose her as in the day she was born, and make her like a wilderness, and let her like a dry land, and slay her with thirst. And I will have, I will not have mercy on her children, for they are the children of harlotry, you know, all believing in lies, walking in lies, and I think they are my people. For their mother has played the harlot, speaking by the hands of Israel, the northern kingdom. She who conceived them 
has behaved shamefully, for she said, I will go after my lovers, who give me my, my bread and my water and my wool and my linen, my oil and my drink and all economic ties, alliances and all those things, and who needs God? Therefore, behold, I will hedge her up, I will hedge up your way with thorns and wall her in, so that she cannot find her path. She will chase her lovers, but not overtake them. In other words, God, God is going to punish his people. But again, even though he says, look, I don't want to be even called your husband, you're not my people, I'm not going to have mercy on you. And I sang it because he's angry with them, just like he told Moses, you know, just let me alone, I'm going to kill all of them, you know, just destroy all of them, get rid of them, start all over again from with you. But obviously, he swore by his men that he's not going to do it, so he's showing his anger. And people don't get it. And so, this is what he's saying about his wife, who is an adulteress, you know, who doesn't want her husband. And when he's angry at her, he says, okay, you don't want me, I don't want you either. You know, sort of uh, lover's quarrels. And she will chase her lovers, but not overtake them. Yet she will seek him, but not find him. Then the, she will say, I will go in return, repentance, to my first husband. For then it was better for me than now. For she did not know that, for I gave her the grain, new wine and oil. She thinks, you know, she produces it by her own might and power. Or gets it from uh, the allied, you know, forces. The alliances that she makes and multiplied her silver and gold which they prepared to bell. Well, that's in the days of old, but today they're doing it differently. Therefore, I will return and take away my grain in its time and my new wine in its season and will take my wool and my linen given to cover her nakedness. And now I will uncover her lewdness in the sight of her lovers. Speaking about that time, the days of uh, the prophet Hosea and also the end of time, many times in between. And no one shall deliver her from my hand, and I will also cause all her mirth to cease, her feast days, and new moons, her Sabbath, and all her appointed feasts, for Israel, in spite of their adultery, still kept quite many of the laws of God. And this is what deceived them to think, well, we are God's people. As they do today. They do a lot of things that are right and good, and they think, well, we are God's people. And they forget about the others. And I will destroy her vines, and so forth. And I will punish her, verse 13, for the days of bells, which she burn incense, and so on. But, that's not the end of the story. Verse 14, Therefore, behold, I will allure her, and will bring her into the wilderness, and speak comfort to her. And I will give her her vineyards from there, and the valley of Achor as a door of hope. She shall sing there, as in the days of her youth, as, as in the day when she came up from the land of Egypt. So God is talking about restoration. Along with his punishment of Israel and his anger with them, and he's saying in his anger, look, you're not even my wife, I don't want to see you anymore. You know, just like we do sometimes in the, in the flesh. Well, God is expressing those emotions and feelings he gave them to us to begin with. And that you always have to read the whole story and know how it's going to end up. And don't make conclusion at that point. Because people uh, have the snap judgments. Speak too soon. Don't hear the whole matter. And it shall be in that day, says the Eternal, that you will call me my husband. Jesus Christ is speaking. He's saying that Israel, his people, the northern kingdom, the southern kingdom, the physical people of Israel, the descendants of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, nobody else, you will call me my husband, says Jehovah, says Jesus Christ, says the Lord, the Redeemer, the Ark. Now, verse 16, that you will call me my husband, and no longer call me my master, Lord, you know, Baal, 
For I will take from her mouth the names of the bells. Lord, Lord, you know, you hear everybody saying, Lord, Lord, oh, the Lord, the good Lord. You know, everybody's saying the Lord. Lord, Baal, it's the same word, same name. That's what Baal means, Lord. The word Baal in modern Hebrew, as in ancient Hebrew, is also used for husband. You know, Baali, my husband, a woman says. And he says, you're not going to use that name anymore. You're going to call me my husband. And I shall be remembered by their names, by their name no more. In that day I will make a covenant for them with the beasts of the field, with the birds of the air, and with the creeping things of the ground. Bow and sword of battle I will shatter from the earth to make them lie down safely. And here's the marriage of the Lamb. And when you come to the New Testament and you read it, you totally get it out of context if you don't know the background. An awful lot of ignorance out there. Blind shepherds who deceive the blind and all fall into the ditch. Verse 19, I will betroth you to me forever. Who is the bridegroom and who is the bride? Yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and justice. In loving kindness and mercy, I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the eternal. Speaking to Israel, to the whole house of Israel. So why do those who call themselves children of God, people of God, ministers of God, say that God put down Israel and picked up the church? Isn't that because they are ignorant of the whole story? mixture of truth and error, children of Babylon, still to a large degree, without even realizing it. Verse 21, It shall come to pass in that day that I will answer, says the Eternal. This is Jesus Christ speaking. I will answer the heavens, and they shall answer the earth. The earth shall answer with grain, with the new wine, and with oil. They shall answer Jezreel. You know, Israel. That means God will plant. And then I will sow her for myself. Myself. That's my wife, my bride. Yet the nations thought all this time, children of the great whore of the harlots, and all the Jews are in hell, because they thought the Jews are Israel, and the Jews themselves sometimes are ignorant, don't realize there is a northern kingdom. And on the other hand, you know, those who are learned among them realize, no, no, we are not all Israel. We still have the ten tribes out there, and they're coming back. But the scriptures say that very plainly, and we cannot have deliverance. Unless all the tribes of Israel return. They have a mixture there, you know, even among them. Some do understand, majority don't, as they should. And if, as far as Israel is concerned, uh, generally 99.1% are in total ignorance about who they are. But God says, Then I will sow her for myself. You know, Israel, that, that's what it means. We'll sow, we'll plant, we'll seed. That's what he's saying. That's why he's using those words. If you don't understand the Hebrew, you mix, you know, you get, you miss the whole thing. Then I will sow her for myself in the earth, and I will have mercy on her who had not obtained mercy. So when people read, well, I shall not have mercy, you say, aha, that's it, that's the end of the story. Well, read the rest of the story. That's why I'm going to have mercy now on her, because she's repenting, coming back to me. Then I will say to those who were not my people, you are my people. When? When he brings back his nation, Israel, to himself, that's when. And the disciples, thinking that Christ was coming in their day, the God of Israel, got mixed up. 
And I told him, this is the day. He's standing at the door. Got to get ready. The bridegroom is standing at the door. You know, well, the message was correct, but the time he was not. And God allowed him, you know. And it caused it to be recorded. And people believed in it and fell for it, so to speak. And then after that, the faith of many was shattered because of that, because nothing happened. And yet God allowed it. And then he said, I will say to those who were not my people, you are my people. And they shall say, you are my God. There isn't going to be any more denial. And the whole earth will know who is the church of God, who and what is the church of God. And there are going to be any deceivers out there, blind shepherds of Israel. Have a lot of truth. And error with it. And God calls it vomit. So he said, come out of Babylon. I don't want you to be ignorant. And so it's important to see it from God's point of view and always only from God's point of view. And now let's jump to chapter 11 when we read, When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. <laughs> see the emotions of God about his people. And they called them. As they, as they called them, so they went from them. They sacrificed to Baal, so that is his own people, his son. You know, the prodigal son, and burnt incense to carve images, and I taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms, just like a father does with his little boy. But they did not know that I healed them. I already died for them and healed them. They didn't even know that. I drew them with gentle cords, with bands of love, and I was to them as those who take the yoke from their neck. And I stopped and fed them. He's showing his great love toward his people. And he shall not return to the land of Egypt, but the Assyrians shall be his king because they refused to repent. And to this very day they are in that condition. Yet God is going to deliver them. And I think we're going to stop at this point now, saying greetings to all of God's people. This is again Mordecai Joseph. Until next time. The preceding message was taken from the World Wide website at address www.biblestudy.org. This site is sponsored by Barnabas Ministries. Bible study. You have questions, the Bible has answers.